Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. It's so good to worship on this beautiful day, to be together, to celebrate our Lord. Welcome, and welcome to everybody watching online as well. Thank you for engaging with us this morning. I want to read uh, from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. In him be the power forever and ever. Amen. On May 3rd, this month, the U.S. Surgeon General raised an alarm about the devastating impact of the epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the United States. Some of the findings from the report show that from 2003 to 2020, the amount of time Americans spent alone increased. Time described as social engagement with friends decreased 20 hours per month per person. The report report says that even before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, Approximately half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Disconnection fundamentally affects our mental, physical, and societal health. In fact, loneliness and isolation increase the risk for individuals to develop mental health challenges in their lives. And lacking connection can increase the risk for premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily. I know. The physical health consequences of poor or insufficient connection include a 29% increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, and a 50% increased risk of developing dementia for older adults. Additionally, lacking social connection increases the risk of premature death by more than 60%. And these findings all are about a time before the pandemic, only then exacerbating this issue in our time We are in a time of intense anxiety. Today is the Sunday nearest to Ascension Day on the church calendar. It was Thursday, 40 days after Easter, when Jesus ascends to the Father. So if you'll remember the story, we talked about it a couple months ago. Jesus was raised from the dead on Easter and then spends 40 days with his followers, teaching and revealing himself to them. And then as the story goes, he ascends to the Father and his followers stand there looking up, wondering what now? Some messengers appear and say, why do you look towards the heavens? Jesus will come back the way that he left. 
It was almost like they were adjusting the followers' eyes back to the horizon to say, there are things to be done now. Look ahead. Your part in the story is just now beginning. But I imagine those followers of Jesus looking with their mouths open were thinking, now what? What do we do? We were so excited and then we were in so much despair when Jesus was killed and then so excited again that he was raised to new life and, and now he leaves. <laughs> what now? Some of my family is here today, and uh, they will remember when I left for college, we were living overseas in Germany. We came across uh, the ocean to take me to school. They took me to a place called Belton, Texas. You've never heard of it, and I hadn't either. And they dropped me off there, and they left me. They just left me there. What are you going to do? What next? I imagine today you may feel some of those kind of questions. What, what, what am I going to do? Jesus, why are we here? What's going on? I mean, you look at the data and you say, now what? You read something like this epidemic of loneliness and isolation and say, what are we going to do? You look up. The mountain of fear and uncertainty, of discouragement, of trauma, of stress. I don't know what you're looking up at today. You may be wondering, can I get through this? Am I alone? How do we move on? So on this Ascension Sunday, we are looking at a message that came to churches in the midst of challenge and isolation. It's a scripture that many Christians will look to during this time of Ascension. Peter, the apostle, is writing to these churches, churches scattered all over to give them encouragement and help them. To look up not at the stress around them, the suffering that they're enduring, but to the hope that they have in Christ. So let me read 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. No, but rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when His glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the Spirit of glory, which is the Spirit of God, is resting on you. This passage is so interesting because as Peter writes to these Christians in the ancient world, they're spread out and they're also dealing with persecution because of what they believed, in, and, and more so how they were living, how they were acting because of their beliefs. They were disconnected and isolated from family who had cast them aside. They were untrusted by the Roman Empire around them. They were dealing with tensions and shame, and, and perhaps they were wondering, why is it like this? Why is it so difficult? Why are we here <laughs> And Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And I love that because Peter wants to be honest. To help them see the reality is that suffering is part of the world. Suffering is part of this broken world that we are in. It happens. 
Peter's not going to sugarcoat it or pretend like it's not. And I appreciate that because sometimes as Christians, we feel like we have to pretend like everything's okay all the time, even when it isn't. But Peter invites them to be honest about it, to understand what's going on, and then to rejoice. So fascinating. That word test, Peter says, among you is this test. It can be a negative thing, like a temptation or an ordeal, or it could be translated as a trial, something that will strengthen you. I think Peter intentionally is leaving it vague. Because while trials and ordeals are awful, they are. There is opportunity in them to overcome and to grow and to see what God is doing in the world in new ways. This is not to say that God is zapping us or something to make us toughen up, right? No. Peter is saying in the mire of challenge, in the mire of the suffering that comes in the world, we have the opportunity to learn and grow. In fact, Peter is saying to this community, persecuted by their own, because of their own faith, that this is a reason to rejoice. Because as you endure, you join with the Christ who also endured. And because of the ascension and the resurrection, we know that suffering will not have the final word. So he's honest about suffering. Uh, this week, the actor Rain Wilson was on this fascinating podcast from Christianity Today. You may know Rain better as Dwight Schrute from The Office. Okay, so if you've seen The Office, you know who Dwight is. Rain Wilson uh, was has just written a book about spirituality, and so he was interviewed on this podcast, and it was really fascinating. And one of the things he said is, if we aren't raising our children to understand suffering through a spiritual lens then they aren't gaining resilience. And so our children are truly suffering because they are, we aren't talking to them about suffering. I love this. There's, there's data that backs it up that one of the best things you can do as a parent is be honest about the things you're dealing with, to talk about what's going on in your lives. It builds resilience with your kids because they understand that, yes, we don't have to pretend like things aren't ever difficult, that we aren't ever lonely. We can talk about it. And we can rejoice in the God who meets us there. Peter says, don't be surprised. Suffering happens. But why are these people suffering? It's not just because they're making some mistakes and reaping the consequences of it. That suffering is real too. But they are suffering because of their Christian faith. Being persecuted because of how they are living. And that can be hard for us to kind of grapple with as Christians in America because the reality is we don't, we don't face this type of persecution. Sometimes people may say, oh, you're a Christian, and they might think you're not smart or something. That's a little shameful, I guess, but it's not like persecution. It's true that sometimes because of the way that we believe or who we choose to invest in, who we choose to celebrate, other Christians may say, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and that can feel yucky damage some relationships, make things difficult, but it's not the, quite the same level of this kind of persecution. See, what these people were doing was upsetting the nature of the world. Wilson, also in that podcast, and he comes from a unique and different perspective, but he said this about these early Christians who would have received this letter. One of my favorite chapters in human history, and one that, of the most progressive, progressive chapters of human history, 
happens in the early centuries of the Christian church. Never before in the history of humanity had a more diverse group of people been gathered and welcomed, loved, and accepted than in those first centuries of the Christian church. It had never happened before in human history. Everything else had been tribal. And not only that, these early Christians sacrificed their time, their energy, their comfort, their material wealth for those who weren't in their tribe. And so the Romans wrote about it, and they were like, what is up with these people? They're serving people who aren't even members of their tribe. They're not members of their family. They're not members of their race. And this is one of the reasons why early Christianity was seen as such a threat to empire. Or to move from Dwight Schrute to a theologian, Miguel Eli del Toro says they preached liberation. And this will get you in trouble. Because they were breaking up tribalism, and that is a direct assault to the forms of subjugation society has legitimized. Peter says, of course, you're facing trial. <laughs> but that's part of what happens when you participate in God's work in the world. When you join in and you walk alongside those who are suffering in the world, then you will carry some of that with you, but Christ carries it too. See, God's future is breaking in. Join in. This is worth doing. It's worth everything. And so these Christians could be shaped by what God is doing in the world. Transformed by what God is doing in the world. Even in the midst of disconnection and loneliness. What might God be saying to us? A church in 2023 in the midst of what is described by our Surgeon General as a loneliness epidemic. A time of despair. Where can the church, our church, you and me, step in? Psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl writes in his excellent book, Despair is Suffering Without Meaning. And suffer, but suffering is an radical part of life, even as fate and death. Without suffering and death, human life cannot be complete. And then he would go on to quote philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche and say, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. This comes from a Holocaust survivor. Peter wants them to know that yes, it is difficult. There are challenges in the world. It's worth it. Because following Jesus is worth it. And then what we read earlier, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. Humble yourselves, therefore. What, what do they do? They, we know why they're suffering. How do they respond? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt, may raise you in due time. Do you see that the one who ascended will raise us too? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert like a roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour on Ascension Day. Know that you have been raised and are being raised by the one who ascended. Cast your anxiety on the Lord. Anxiety is a part of life, part of our time. But Peter says you can cast it on to the one who cares for you, who has given us purpose and hope value, and a future. Now, I know anxiety is also a mental health um, diagnosis. That doesn't mean you should just try to pray away your mental health issues, although please do pray about them. God works through science and therapy and medication. Yes, yes, yes. And in the midst of all that, hear this, he cares for you. 
the one who came and lived and died and rose again and ascended to the Father and is now at the right hand of the Father is advocating for you. Do you hear that? You have a friend in a very high place. (laughs) The one who loves you and rescues you is on the throne. And only that is what we find to be so helpful here because, because Peter's language is a little bit bizarre to me. He says, cast all your anxiety on the Lord. Uh, your enemy is like a lion, by the way. Did you see he follows up? Cast all your anxiety on the Lord. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, by the way, there's this lion uh, just kind of prowling around trying to use the word devour, swallow up. Um, excuse me. <laughs> you should have led with the lion. <laughs> it seems like the worst kind of thing you could say to an anxious group of people. Hey, by the way, there's a lion out there. And there is an enemy that infiltrates and stands up systems and people that do harm and push people down and lies to us and lies to you and says you're alone and you're worthless and you're wrong and you can't make it. No one's with you and you have no value and you have no meaning and you have no purpose. That is a lion and he is lying. But Peter knows in the midst of despair, there is purpose. The one who is for us, who cares for us, is with us. Peter gets it. And of course Peter gets it because he felt it. Because you remember Peter's story. When Jesus goes to the cross, Peter says, I don't know him. <laughs> I'm like, no, but like, weren't you with me? I don't know him. What must have that been for him? What kind of loneliness and despair must he have felt after that? His closest group of friends, and now he's run from them and said, no. And then Jesus returns and he's like, oh no, (laughs) this is great, but also he goes back, slinks back to fishing nets. I'm sure he assumed this had disqualified him. But he had now had some kind of permanent disconnection. And Jesus pursues him, shows up at the beach, says, come, do you love me? Restores him with breakfast. He cares us, sends him out to lead in the early church. Peter was there watching Jesus ascend. Now what? What do we do in the midst of all this challenge? May we join in with the Christ who raises not just us, but those around us. Look at the prescription we get here in verse Peter 5, 9 through 11, right? The enemy is out there prowling. Verse 9, resist him. Stay, stay steadfast in your faith. For you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter will say, discipline yourselves, keep alert, and resist. How? We resist the lies of isolation and despair. We resist the lies of death without resurrection. We resist the defeatist attitude. It says you will be restored. God himself restore you, support you, strengthen you, and establish you. I love that restore language. Peter knows restoration. I don't know what you're dealing with, but Peter dealt with some stuff. These early Christians were dealing with some stuff. 
And Peter says, resist. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to the hope that we carry, the invitation to act in the world, the purpose that we have for God's kingdom to be breaking in all around us and us to partner in that work. Remember, you're not alone. And he says, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. We are in this together. So yes, here in America, uh, we do not face that kind of like Christian persecution that we find here, but there are places all over the world where that kind of persecution happens. And we are one family, one body. We share it with them. We advocate for them. And where there is persecution and challenge in our world, we are invited as those who have been raised to join with others as God raises them to. That we might be a people like these early Christians practicing liberation in a way that makes everybody else a little nervous. And God will restore us, support us, and strengthen us. We have to know, we have to remember that we are not alone. Tolstoy said, we imagine their suffering is one thing and ours is another. Peter says it's not. You are one. We are together. We are not alone. And we have a role to play in the care for others. We are cared for. God cares for us. And are we going to help others see it? See, Peter's audience, they were suffering because of these lives of liberation they were embodying in their community. Miguel A. de la Torre says this as well. Why aren't we persecuted more? Have we traded the message of liberation for conformity to the empire? Are our actions bringing justice? We might say the right things, but are we willing to work to dismantle the systems that harm others? I'm going to let that question hang there for a minute because <laughs> I need to chew on it. The Surgeon General's report on loneliness called for several things that we can do. One of them was like, turn your phone off sometimes. That's good advice. <laughs> Another is this. Build social infrastructure. I like that. That's very government language. We need social infrastructure. The time we spend with others in community is valuable. So I want to invite us to think about how we might do that together. To first connect and hold on to the Christ who suffers for us and with us and who ascends, who gives us purpose and value, who reminds us who we are and why we're here, who empowers us to be people of hope and love in the world, who suffered with us, was raised ahead of us and invites us to do the work of walking alongside others of seeing others raised as well in our very relationships. And I want to challenge you to pray and act for the lonely. Even if you, in this room right now, consider yourself one of the lonely. Peter says to them, remember others who are suffering in the same way, even in the midst, you aren't alone. So if you feel isolated, try to reach out to somebody who you think might feel isolated too. And if you don't feel isolated, try to reach out to somebody who you think might feel isolated. And finally, may we together commit to connect. That we together will make the Baptist Church of Westchester a place of social infrastructure, by being present to our community. But that we would not rely solely on our ability to be good friends and good neighbor, 
but that we would be good friends and good neighbors, reflecting the very love and character of Jesus that knits us all together. A diverse community with radical love. Will you join me in prayer? God, I thank you that we are not alone and never are alone, that you are with us. And God, this morning we think about those around the world who face persecution for their faith and the way that they live out their faith. And we pray for those in our community, in our state, in our nation, who themselves are pushed down and cast aside told they don't matter, feel in despair. I pray for each of us here and the reality that we too deal with things like loneliness and challenge, suffering and frustration. In the midst of all of that, thank you for meeting us. And may you empower us with bravery, to be the kind of people that the Roman Empire would write about. <laughs> what is up with them? <laughs> They're loving for, caring for, looking out for people who aren't even in their tribe, their family, their race, their political party. Ooh. <laughs> Lord, may you use us for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.